you know, something on TV. I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? I have no idea. Let's look it up online. Oh, oh. now I can't unblink my eyes. Ah! Look, look, look. Rule number one, do not go to Urban Dictionary. <laughs> Rule number two, go to Urban Dictionary with trackers on it and blocking off. <laughs> Otherwise, you may see some things that you really just do not want to see. But, you know, I could be wrong about this. You know, this 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 gives me a very, very pleasant opportunity to ask you something. Have you ever come up with slang for your characters to match that age? Whatever I age have, that is. I have not. No, you have and not. not. And I'm not going to even try. You're not. Somebody suggested when I when I put up my my word frequency of the uses of the word fuck uh, from Scrivener, they were like, uh, "Hmm, so frack." Now, I, was like, uh, I did see it. Eh. Yeah. What did What did I see? Coco. Manna from heaven. You did see what? I'm trying to remember. There, there was. Uh, there's been a couple of times where I've seen some very ingenious uses of made-up slang. Uh, one of the people, I think it was John Ringo, in one of his things, replaced "fucking" with "pocking." Oh, so that's a, how it's a gonna pocking be. Oh God. <laughs> well, I mean, singular use is shucking. I have never. I have never considered that to do that. You just froze. Or am I frozen? Can you still hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. God, I'm trying to wrestle a cat so I can get my hands back here. It ran across my uh, plug for my camera. So. And Terry has broken everything. <laughs> yeah, but it froze <laughs> in a great position, didn't it? Just totally there. <laughs> This is a perfect time to say howdy, folks, and welcome to another episode of the Denverobot Society. I'm Paulie Cooley, and you're not. <laughs> I have no idea where Terry Mixon is, and, you know, not really sure I want to know. <laughs> we'll see how long this plays out. He may have destroyed himself. I love that we have listeners, viewers in Australia. That is just awesome. Uh-oh. And, of course, we have the ones in... In Wales, which is an entirely different country, so I've been told anyway. Uh-oh. Stupid cat. <laughs> well, I already did the intro, so because uh, uh, I wasn't sure if you are going to join me. so I, I could hear lane. you the entire time, but um, it wasn't letting me do anything, so I had to refresh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. They asked if you were playing red, red light, green light. <laughs> Well, we're both good with sheep. <laughs> okay, we got a Wales Australian connection going on here. After Mission Impossible, I never play red light, green light. You mean well? I immediately thought of a Squid Squid Game or whatever it's called. In the Mission Impossible movies, he had explosives that were designed to look like a piece of chewing gum. One mm -hmm. half was red, the other half was green. When you squish them together, it started cooking off. And it, he's like, flips it together, goes, red light, green light, slams it into the thing and drops off from wherever it's going to blow up. So, yeah, I don't do red light, green light. Interesting, the, the things that you use or put together in your little squirrel brain to, to figure out that most of your life is actually about movie references. My entire life is about movie references. That's all it is. I'm not really real. I'm AI. <laughs> yeah, stuck in some strange era between the 50s and the 80s is Terry Mixon. <laughs> well, it worked for Ready Player One, so why not me? Terry, what the hell have you been up to, man? Well, should we explain that we're missing a host? I didn't notice. I didn't notice at all. How rude of you. <laughs> it turns out Veronica had an, an emer a bowling emergency. <laughs> it's, it's really hard to imagine what exactly compromises, 
what what a brolig emergency is consists of but here we are yeah here we are we don't quite have all the details but she will not be joining us today unless it's in spirit or via the chat room so anyway that's why she's not here so so she's not here that means terry has to tell us what the hell he's been up to and not delay it all right well i've been doing a little bit of writing but my wife and i decided we were going to spend more time at the uh, shooting range so i said i'll spend a few minutes cleaning up my my reloading room and finding where all the necessary parts are and get everything you know set up to start this up this couldn't possibly take more than half an hour hour so a day and a half later, I think I finally got everything in, in place. So does this mean you'll get back to writing? Yes, because I have a deadline. <laughs> I, I have, I am, what? I'm about a third of the way done with this novel, and I need to turn it in by December 23rd. We have a split, and to win the championship to save the world from the evil bowling overlord, we need you, Veronica, to make that split to spare the world. Like it. There's a short story in there. I'm telling you. So do you actually the bowling feel like... alley at the end of the universe? Oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> and Yahweh throws a gutter ball. Jesus Christ, that's really horrible. <laughs> I get to see it now. Yahweh throws the thing there. All of a sudden, he's just like bleeped out. <laughs> I can't even see its mouth. <laughs> just like lightning and shit crackling around him. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing, you can't just exploding around his face. Oh, it's a good thing we've got that five-second delay because Yahweh is really cutting loose. <laughs> <laughs> the, the bowler from Mystery Men. Instead of a skull, you got a you got a trapped god in that there. That was her dad's skull. In it was there. her dad's dad's ghost in there, right? I thought it was her dad's skull in there, or something ridiculous yeah. like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Death's bowling alley, head for heads for balls, bowling bones for pens, heads for balls. I'm not sure whether or not this bowl with death. Um, I didn't somebody do that in a Simpsons episode or. Bill and Ted, I can't remember if they ever bowled. I don't remember. If they anyway. didn't, they should have. They should have. Do you feel... I'm finally going to get back to my question. Do you feel like you write better when you're under a deadline? I feel like I write more consistently because I can't screw off. And yet, here we are. <laughs> yet here we are. I try so to now, write a chapter a day, right. and... If I bring up my spreadsheet, it's going to tell me, yeah, you've got 22 days left and you've got 20 chapters left. So what you going to do? Hmm. As I've been told before, it's getting down to nut cutting time. It's a uh... yikes. Yeah, exactly. Mm. That's that's when that deadline approaches and you realize, you know what? Unless I double down and skip a couple meals, I ain't going to make this deadline. Well, I might try to set it up to where I'm doing three sets instead of two so i'm doing my my normal writing day is i write a chapter and then i read that chapter so if i put three sets in there i can like write two chapters read one the next day read two and write one right and get a little bit of catch-up time there but that means that donna can't you know screw with my schedule and i've got a doctor's appointment on tuesday that i've got to go to things like that mm-hmm Mm -hmm. So life is going to keep interfering and I'm just going to have to try to keep making work. I've seen the cover that's coming out for this next book. I like it. I like it a lot. Well, that's cool. It's got an alien on it. And I'm like, oh, cool. Look at that alien. I guess I probably should include those aliens in this book. <laughs> oh, well, stop. Why is there... <laughs> Time out. <laughs> Time out. First off, how fucked are you? <laughs> Second half, how does that happen? <laughs> I think that falls under the category of publisher confidentiality, so I can't say precisely. Okay, never mind, never mind, never mind. But 
I, 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 I've, I've probably pushed the edge by saying that there's an alien on the cover, but it's okay. I can make it work. <laughs> Aliens are required. <laughs> I have never see, had an see, alien the problem on my here is the, the, I, I, I will say a little bit more about it. I did mention that the, that there's aliens that are involved in this. Unfortunately, the alien on the cover is one of two alien species. It's the other one, not the one that was actually involved in the book. So now I get to figure out how to weave the other one in. Luckily, I've got some book, some runway left here. <laughs> alien turns out to be a person in a costume. Yeah, let's go with that, Terry. <laughs> well, why not? <laughs> I'd have got away with it too if it wasn't for those. I was going to say that's that's a Star Trek Scooby Doo crossover, and I just can't do that. My brain is trying to explode from that. Wow. Oh, good God. Is everybody? It does, does kind of look like a gray. I, I have to confess. So you know, there is mm. that. Hmm. With sausage fingers. I don't know that I saw the fingers. I only looked at the, the cover a little bit, so I, I don't remember if I could see the hands. Huh. I've always wondered why the digits are like extra long compared to the human, but I think that's just to make it really uncanny. All right. In now, particular I'm, way. now I'm going to have to actually go look and see if there are fingers because now I, now I simply must know. <laughs> the alien is an alien in an alien costume. Alienception. Xander, it's good to see you again. Shut up. No, no, I don't see any uh, any fingers there. But that is a mean-looking alien. That alien, oh, oh, that alien. Okay. That, that is definitely the wrong alien species, but I can make this work. Terry, can the food machine and TNG make Scooby snacks? Yes. <laughs> sausage fingers for your pleasure. Ribbed for your pleasure. Ribbed, Ribbed and sausaged. <laughs> So, how often do you come across good aliens, i.e. not a Star Trek-type alien? It depends on what you mean by a Star Trek-type alien. What qualifies as good? I mean, what are you looking for? Be, be a little clearer, because I'm not sure what we're, what we're aiming for. A species that. not going with nefarious uh, goals. A species without nefarious goals, you say? Correct. I haven't run into one yet. <laughs> In a book or a story? I'm in the stuff I'm writing. Okay. There are elements of, of these alien societies that are, um, well, you know, <laughs> they're, they're out for their own. And no, both the aliens that I've used thus far are um, humanoid, but one of them, well, maybe one of them is not humanoid. One of them is a symbiont, and it lives inside a non-sapient humanoid, but it's kind of like a worm. So maybe I like that, mine better. Maybe that's maybe that's your your good non Star Trek alien. I'm not sure. An ancient trap. Um. But seriously, ones that don't have a nefarious attitude and don't look like us. Hmm. We're someone else's nefarious aliens. We're I think everyone in the neighborhood is. Where... Where aliens lock the doors when they drive by. No shit. They go, God, we hope that that block never develops. Good God, look at how terrible that is. See, Tim, Tim's hit the hit the thing here. He says, go out, Wooled. And I say, yes, these aliens were a design species that the first group of aliens made that were meant to be like the go out, Wooled, to go ahead and, and subsume and take over other people. But the experiment failed. They couldn't do it. So... Basically, now they're just aliens that live in unintelligent human hosts. Hmm. Unintelligent human hosts. No, unintelligent humanoid host. Okay. It's it's basically a cow that looks like a person, sort of like a person. Right with a with a with a brain that's not its own. Well, it's got a brain. It's just an animal brain. But the controlling intelligence is the alien that's inside. It's a symbiotic relationship. Right. That's a really good question, though. How often in, in media, especially TV, do we find that aliens are not out to eat you? Uh, they're always out to eat you. 
outside Especially of the Star it's a Twilight Trek. Twilight Zone episode. <laughs> How to serve man. How to serve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's the name of that book they made, To Serve Man. I still love the Simpsons episode where they, they messed that up. The Arrival. Yeah. Uh, Arrival is definitely, definitely one. That is when in my top 10 sci-fi movies, I think. I really do. It's a lovely story, even though it's kind of jarring at times. Um, once you get to the end, you figure it out, and it makes a whole lot more sense. But I did really enjoy that movie. And that does have that that air to it. I got to say that it's it's it really puts you on your game as a writer when you're a third of the way done with the book, and you get you see the cover and you see that they're using the other alien species instead of the one you planned, and you're like, oh, plot switch. I'm sitting at a local coffee place listening to Terry talk about literal earworms and listening to a dude play a banjo behind me. Saturday's turning got extra interesting. <laughs> wow, William. You found it painfully dull? Wow. Well, you're allowed to be wrong. So there. There, I said it. I haven't even told anybody what I'm up to. Why don't you tell us what you're up to? I am in hell. Oh, no. I, I missed my deadline. <gasps> Where's the eject button? You've got to get out of here and write. Uh, I, I keep I keep trying to finish the scenes, and they keep causing more scenes. <laughs> I got close. I got really close. I don't faster I hear banjo music. Yeah. You've seen the shirt. Watch the episode. Uh-huh. <laughs> <clears throat> so I'm still working on Extinction. And uh, I never knew writing kaiju stuff would be so goddamn complicated. Just going to leave it at that. But uh, apart from that, I'm going to get start brush off track nine tonight and start going through it because it's next on the docket to get completed. So I'll just read that one while I'm working on this one. And that should hopefully make up for it. Paul has Paul Cooley syndrome. Yeah. Uh-huh. He's shush. So this is now officially the longest book I've, I've written. One million words. It's already 133 and climbing. So we're we're at that point. So we're we're still moving along. Still moving along. Yes. Yes, I know. I have Paul Cooley syndrome. Thank you, Tim. Again. Thank you, Tim. I, I, I appreciate your support, and I'm so glad to hear that. So <laughs> glad to hear that. So what else are you up to? That's pretty much it. Apart from trying to survive allergies. Uh, yeah, they're pretty much nuking my wife as well. Yeah, it's, it, today is a very, very bad, bad breathing day. So, of course, I'll try and make it worse. Max Tilsley says the most complicated thing about writing kaiju the sanitation services to keep all the shit under control you know that my understanding is there is actually a comic book group whose job is to go clean stuff up after it gets destroyed I can't remember what they're called but they're kind of like a cleaning service like that some kind of department that comes in and like rebuilds the buildings and everything else that have been destroyed when Godzilla goes mucking around Around. And that series Nobilis does with Kaiju. What's it called? Somebody in chat will know. It's got it's got that kind of thing where they have to worry about cleaning up after the Kaiju. Well, I don't worry about the destruction, but I do think you have to talk you have to think about the poor bastards who are left trying to explain the mess to the public, right? It's like, okay, uh, why didn't you know Godzilla was coming? Well, uh reasons, things. The Godzilla funding project got cut, yada, yada. How are you going to pay for all this damage? We don't know. We're sending Godzilla a bill. The lawyers are working on it now. I mean, what the fuck do you say exactly? You have to wonder about those poor bastards. Terry, you don't wonder about these things? I don't. What do you wonder about? I wonder 
how writers can do things like interact with beta readers. That's the kind of thing that keeps me up at night. Are you trying to say you should form a relationship with your beta readers? Well, you know, look, if you're the alpha and they're the betas, there's already a relationship. All right. All right. Throw that horse shit out of the way. Let me tell you, you got to treat betas like the dirt they are. They're getting free books, free gold from you. They are lucky to have a chance to peek between the covers of what you have written before anybody else. Therefore, it should be their privilege to go through that book with a fine-toothed comb and tell you exactly what you want to hear. So That's basically what awesome. you're saying is you don't need betas. You need gammas. I'm talking about abuse of the betas. Abuse your betas. Now. Why do I say that? I don't believe any of that. <laughs> uh, I think Terry and I both use betas to a certain degree. I don't. Well, you don't anymore. You used that's, to. That's not true. Personally, I don't, but my publisher does. Okay. All right. Fine. All right. Fine. But um, but you were using Patreon sort of as that as well, correct? Mm, I don't really get any comments back from those guys. Really? Nope. That's one that of the is... problems with betas. Even when you've got a set of beta readers is you'll get one guy that wants to comment on everything. You'll get another guy that makes one comment that says, Oh, that was great. <laughs> and everything in between. <laughs> okay, so what kind of beta reader would you want? You're not going to get the perfect beta reader. That doesn't happen. You have to deal with the human beings that you're going to get and accept that if you're going to have beta readers you're going to need to specify what you're looking for. And if a beta doesn't meet up with those standards, you got to part ways. <laughs> Alpha reader hikes through mountains of shit. Beta reader tests the water after it's gone through the sewage plant. <laughs> yes, but, but what about the gamma reader? What about the gamma reader? That's what I need to know. They're the ones that don't need the radiation suits because all the hazardous shit's been taken out and it's just flavorless and has nothing left. You know, TV. <laughs> I said that out loud. All right, Tim, stop that. Um, we The reason why this came up, and I will say that there are editing services out there that do offer beta reads. Um, you do have to pay for it, obviously, because it's an editing service, but they do offer beta reading as part of those services. So check with your favorite editing service. You might be surprised at what they charge or don't charge for beta reading. If you don't build up your own. million dollars. If you don't won't manage to build up your own group of beta readers. However, because this question came up in Discord, I thought with Mr. Tilsley's permission, that I would basically rattle off some of his rules here. Maybe rules is the wrong word. Maybe what he wants from his beta readers. Do you go with that? It's lovely that you're in chat today. I wonder if you read my mind. He says you need to be clear to beta readers what you want. And that is the question. So he says, number one, what's the book about? Basically, you know, can they can they come back and tell you exactly, give you just basically a general feel for what the book and you're not looking for? Well, you know, I think the the uh, uh, the, the protagonist is symbolizes blah, blah, blah. And yada, that, that fuck that. You know, <laughs> I would like to know the A goes to B, goes to C, goes to D, goes to E. We, we run off into the sunset with F. OK, great. With them, we have that. We can talk about that. So basically. You go for what, what he says, A, B, C, D, which is what's awesome. Ask them what they remember from the book. Ask them what they loved, what sticks with them as the book, and, and what was their favorite part of the book. What's boring? Basically, what was their least favorite part of the book? And what's confusing? And he notes in here that can be mangled sentences to unclear descriptions. I would also offer its setting. So, like, for instance, if you're in the middle of a ship and suddenly people get turned around where you are in the ship in relation to what's going on, you may need to go back and give a little bit more direction or make it less uh, obvious, <laughs> make it less confusing somehow, some way. And then basically the what didn't you believe? 
just from character motivations to technology or plot devices, whatever. Did something feel contrived? Did it feel artificial? All of that. That's what you want of a beta reader. I always tell my beta readers not to worry if they come across, you know, a word or, you know, a single sentence. I really just want them there for content. And so often I get stuff on the editing and I'm like, oh, God, I should have done a better job of this because now they're bitching about that. And they're not paying attention to what I want them to pay attention to. So it just depends on what you want from the beta readers. But I like I like that. Uh, I like that list. Mr. Tillsley, thank you for bringing that to our attention. I just love that. A quick questionnaire to gauge your feelings about specific elements. That's interesting. That is fascinating. We'll have to put all of this. It's already in Facebook. Or Facebook. It's already in Discord. You spelt that in an interesting way. <laughs> Verisimilitude. So I, I had I, I had nothing more really to say about that because I think you just nailed it. Sounds it sounds like a tiger said it. It does actually. It sounds like something you would hear an announcer say. It really does. Very similar to. Uh, I have no response to that actually. <laughs> but I I think getting a, a good beta reader is difficult, and finding uh, more than one is is even more difficult. And I think once you get past two, you may end up in the enviable position of being pulled 20 different ways, which is why I think it's nice to find somebody whose opinion you can kind of trust and somebody to give you, uh, you know, an honest opinion. Brett says he's always scared to tell authors what I truly think and go whole hog into being a critical beta reader versus just an emotional support reader. <laughs> this sucks. Your character sucks. <laughs> I can see that completely. I can see that completely. There's, there's read, read my book and stroke my ego or read my book and help me make it better. Uh, for the help me make it better. And in, in the first draft of evolution, that was really helpful when they said, we didn't understand. We got confused. Okay, fine. You got confused about that. I'll fix it. And I did. And it made perfect sense to me, but uh, not to anybody else. Oh, Yeah. If you give someone a week, you're going to get a different result from giving them three months. Yeah, and as Terry has said, if you're gonna if you're gonna give them three months, you got to check in with them every now and then to remind them. I've never said that. You have said that. I have not because I never give anybody three months. I barely give them a week and a half. <laughs> no, that you wasn't think I'm joking. I am totally not. No, joking. no, no. I did not. That's not what I. That's. The part that you said was you better check in with them if you're doing that that long. You have said that. Maybe I have. I don't remember what I had for breakfast, so I can't really tell you about that. Oh, for fuck's sake. I try and bring up gold that you've given in the past and you shit all over it. Yes, well, I'm going dis- <laughs> to disagree with myself now. And I'm going to argue with myself. Old me look, sucks. Look, old me I- I'm is waiting. a stupid old guy. That's I'll what start, he does. I'll start listening to you after you hear the... Of your head, sick, you know, popping out of your ass. When you get it out of there, we can talk about this. You know, some guy with more forehead than he can actually use doesn't need to be talking to me about heads up asses. Wow. Going after my hair. Wow. Well, you know, since you trimmed those eyebrows, you can see, you know, what, half again more of your forehead? I think it's fair game. Fair cop. Fair cop. I had Brezhnev's. You know, she went to work on my eyebrows and, and damn near broke the razor. I swear to God. I, she's like, have these been asking for coffee? Yes. Yes. Yes, they have. So, yeah, I wouldn't give somebody three months either. That's way, 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 way too long. I think the optimal time to give a beta reader is a couple of weeks. Yeah. You're not looking for them to give you in-depth editing stuff. You're looking for them to read the book and and maybe tell you where you screwed up something, misspelled something. Maybe something didn't make sense. There's a continuity issue. If it takes more than a couple of weeks, then then they've got too much going on in their lives to be a beta reader. Yeah, and I've had to pick off of that in the past because I couldn't commit to it. I couldn't make the time for it, and I didn't want to leave the person on that that would happen. So um, if you can't make the commitment, that's everything. Don't sign up for it. Three months. Yeah, if you give somebody three months, they would be that not that keen for it yeah. i suspect if you gave somebody three months you'd have less completion rate than if you gave them two weeks 
I agree. Yeah, beta should tell you what seems off, not how to fix it. Yeah, that's that's one piece of advice I do remember. If a reader tells you something is wrong, believe them. If a reader tells you how to fix what's wrong, don't do it. <laughs> Unless it's some crazy thing out of left field. And even then, it's just uh, there are these moments where I've been banging my head on the wall and I explain it something to my wife in the simplest terms. And she just goes, well, it's this, obviously. And I just sit there and I go, you're a genius. You've unlocked the whole world. I was I was locked in this trap. I couldn't make A plus B equal C. And suddenly you changed A and B and now C is just magically appeared. You know, sometimes that's your it just mixing helps. letters, you know, in with your math. That's algebra and that's bad. Algebra's always bad. Holy shit. Do you have any idea how many computer engineers are in this chat right now? That's all they do is fucking algebra, whether they realize it or not. You're gonna get skinned alive here. And you're gonna, eh, you're gonna, eh, you're gonna, you're gonna deserve it. Eh. You're gonna deserve it. I should clarify what I said earlier that if a reader tells you that something is wrong, believe them. Maybe believe is too strong. Take it, take it as something yeah. that you need to look at. Yeah, a reader's not always right when they say something is wrong, but if they try to tell you how to fix it, they don't know how to fix it, and their their idea is not going to suit you. You have to be the one that fixes it. <laughs> Terry, step away from this conversation. <laughs> That was a hell of a rant. You just went up. <laughs> yeah, we're not looking for a dissertation on the book, Brett. <laughs> you give me two weeks, I'll give you an impression. A month or two, I'll dissect the mofo and re-edit it. Yep. Exactly. You can call me Al Algebra. We were talking slang earlier. It's yeah. FOMO. Fear FOMO. of missing out. So it's not mofo. It's flip them around. It's FOMO. I had to look that up because I had no clue what it was. FOMO. I just heard this for the first time. Wow. Somebody used that recently with me and I had no idea what that. I just assumed they had misspelled mofo. <laughs> <laughs> Slang. I told you a totally different thing. Yeah, we were. T I was mentioning the fact that I'm going to have to go back to my 90s, my 90s memory to pick up some slang for a story I'm writing because I want to make it somewhat accurate, but I probably forgot more slang than I ever knew. This is the sad part. Just, just have... keep using the word dude with everyone. Dude. With everyone and everything. And you're just like, be now fine. it's, now it's bruh. Bruh. Tell you what, bruh. <laughs> Why? 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 Get off my lawn. So bring out the shotgun. <laughs> It's Teenage Marketing 101. You know, is, is there a Teenage Marketing 101 class? If so, Paul needs to take it. Oh, so yeah. Why, for that matter. <laughs> At this point, you need middle class, or not middle class, middle age. You know, you're so far beyond, you know, you just need to go back to middle age. You know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Bruh. <laughs> Yes, bruh. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I figured that had to come from Dog the Bounty Hunter. Didn't he used to say that all the time? Bruh. Is that a I Hawaii never thing? That horse shit. I never watched I, that horseshit. I believe that actually shit. was there first. I think, it, I think it came into the United States from Hawaii. I think they're the ones that started with the bruh. <laughs> I think it started in England as bruv. But it could Maybe. be wrong again. Maybe. I don't know. Could be wrong again, but I'm pretty sure I heard Dog the Bounty Hunter, Bounty Hunter a couple of years, couple of decades back, going, "Bruh." It sounds like such a stoner surfer thing to say. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying. All right, so we have skewered our beta readers, right? Let's turn to this brevener, brevener, so brother and governor, brevener, and then yeah. got shortened to brev. Yeah, that's sure possible. It did. That's mm -hmm. possible. That's mm -hmm. plausible. Mm -hmm. Of course, you may actually know who the hell else. <laughs> I have my skeptical mask on. My bullshit detector's going off. Our batteries reading Urban Dictionary. Well, I have no idea. We do have. We do have. You know. Yeah, it would have been bro originally, different brother. 
Okay. Look, you. Terry was worried about the gamma readers, and you're worried about sigma readers. Do they forget about your book and watch TV? I honestly have no idea what they do. I don't know if they do calculus when they're not on the chat or the show or doing anything for that matter. Brushisher. Oh, chat. You're so wrong. So we've told you how to abuse your beta readers. Have, we, have we really gone through all the, all the abuse that we can you know heap upon them? Well, as often it's self-deprecation. So it's the opposite of what I'm saying. We've told you how to abuse your beta was, which is by giving them instructions how to love your betas, on the other hand, is to give them some love. Maybe perhaps even if they're especially helpful, give them mention in the thank yous or things like that. And if you find one good one, hang on to them. Give them a free book every now and then, whatever. Make that their, their deal and, and you know, you'll be in really great, good shape. Your, your mic just went berserk with clicks and clacks and pops and wheezes. Yeah. You're muted. You're still muted. Ah, the blessed sound of silence. No, Paul, to mess up our earwaves. La. You make it completely fucked. Damn, he's back. In the head. All right, I'm going to turn. Let's try that. All right. Hopefully that fixed it. I think this this cable and this mic never work together properly. This cable, the the connection deal where it goes in. Yeah, you're still breaking out bad. Fuck. How's that? Bad. Well, fuck. That's okay. You'll have time to mess with it between the shows. Just look at that hair. Just just look at that magnificent hair. You're still muted. You have to hit the button underneath your uh, ear pad. I do not have to there hit no go. damn There you are. All right. So there we go. Hopefully that's better. We'll let you know. Yeah, I hope so. Paul, your audio is almost as broken as the way half your characters end up. <laughs> well, okay. Hopefully this is better and it doesn't sound like Actually, I'm... it doesn't. It's it's breaking up in the same way. So whatever you... your problem is must not be your microphone. Because huh. it did not fix anything. Huh. Well, you know, there's plenty of programmers okay. here in this chat. They could go ahead and, you know, start diagnosing you right now. How about now? Is that better? I'll let yes. you know once, once we go on for a bit here. I'll let you know. Okay. It's funny. Max says it's not breaking up for him. Bandwidth issue shouldn't be a bandwidth issue. Shouldn't be. Anyway, hopefully that's better. Now, the other thing that you were babbling about in pre-chat and talking about was this Kickstarter. So why don't you explain yeah. about that? Well, let me post a link into the live on Discord so that we can all be talking about the same sort of thing. Let's see here. Where is it? Where is the link? All right. Linkity, link, link, link. Linkity, linkity, link, link. All right. I have now posted it in there. And what this is, is actually a um, program that somebody's developing for game masters for tabletop role-playing games. And I looked at some of the stuff on it. I said, you know, 
this would be decent for writers that were trying to use this for use things like for a story bible, a story bible, or timelining or things like that. And it made me start thinking, you know, there's a lot of things that a game master might use that a novelist could also use. And there it be. Yeah. And your point? My point is, is that writers tend to focus on the tools for writing, but if you expand your, your gaze to something similar, you might find a tool that does all kinds of things you've never thought of before. And there are a bunch of things that would be useful for, say, story bibling and, and timelining. Um, World Anvil is also something else that is a good one. And it's also made for game masters. And it would be useful for writers because there's a lot of similarities between writers and game masters. The world there building does... and, the, and the character building is, is very much the same. Yeah, there does seem to be a, hu a humongous amount of, of crossover. Uh, I worry about any proprietary software with a small market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, it's uh, it's kind of one of those situations. Do they have a way to export to OPML or something along those lines where you can import it into another tool? So you have to kind of be thinking about that as opposed to um, not using it just because of that. That's the way I would protect myself. I use Scrivener, but I can rip the crap into RTF and everything else and go to Word and import it into something else like Ulysses and go to town without it. It's not really one, a problem. Uh, one of the things that Paul's using is experimenting with is Plotter. And I'm not sure that it's quite the same thing, but... There's so many tools out there. Somebody was saying there, you were talking about um, worrying about small programs. The gaming market is pretty big, bigger than the writing market. Yeah, so if you're using tabletop, you're, you're, you're better. If you're looking at a program that's built for game masters, it probably has a bigger user base than one for writers. And Matt, good point. Main concern, would, would, would it be software as a service or one-off download? The one that I'm looking at on Kickstarter is a download. It's not a pay-as-you-go. It's a you're, you're in for life. You download the program. It's yours. It's on your computer. doesn't require the Internet at all, which is a big plus for me because I, don't, I can't write when I'm connected to the Internet. It, inter it interferes with what I'm doing because I go off and do stuff. You go off and do stuff. <laughs> yeah, you go and you start posting cat memes. I've seen what you do. It's true. That's all you do. I think that the that you're right about the tabletop market. I think if you're going to use those tools, the tabletop market is robust. RPG market is very robust, uh, and I think that software is is actually going to grow. So I wouldn't. I I would just find that. I would rather use that external to the writer, uh, the writer portion of what I'm doing, like composition mode and everything else in Scrivener or Ulysses or something along those lines, than. Uh, you know, actually using that in a tool necessarily that is involved in the plot stuff simply because I've had bad experiences like you're talking about where the text actually gets lost in their proprietary bullshit because they're opening and re and rezipping a file over and over and over and over and over again. And it's not something that's not RTF. So I understand your, your, your concern very, very well. Even working just in word, Things can happen. The program can crash. Yep. You've lost words. Yeah. There's losing words and then there's losing words. <laughs> I have mine set to autosave every couple of minutes. It used to be every, I think I had it set to every 10 minutes, but that's like 700 words. So I lost like a couple of pages worth of stuff the last time it crashed. I was like, that's bullshit. We're cranking that down. You used Excel? You savage. You psychopath. <laughs> I assume you mean for story bubble stuff. He says it's, it's not pretty, and you start a new document each day. Oh, God. No, he writes his entire novel inside a single cell. You know, I, that's why I was wondering. It would be like the, the, the old, uh, um, how large of a program can you write on a single line of C? Turns out pretty damn big. Really scary. 
It has to not just compile, but also has to run. <laughs> yeah, now for writing. I I think I, I think we've all used some something like that at some point. I used to make separate files back when I was cobbling together my own ebook uh, assembler. I wrote everything in plain text because then I could hit a button and my Ruby script ran and put together an EPUB. It was pretty cool. But there was a, a nested structure I had to use for it to work. I used to work well, in sysadmin. William West says he prefers text files for everything else. The only reason I really, I would use a text file if I could get away with it. But I've discovered that Dragon works better with Word as far as as it's word recognition. For whatever reason, it's much worse when I'm trying to do it to a Word document. So I accept that I have to use Word because it gives me better accuracy. I prefer text files for everything else as well. I do prefer text files, period, end of story, even if it's XML. Excuse me, give me some YAML, some XML, <laughs> something along those lines. I don't really care. JSON, whatever. Oh, yeah. He says he has proof of his own writing because you can see each day's document useful for AI claims. I'm not sure that, you know, anyone would believe you did, you know, then create your own Word documents. So... That can be toyed around with. If it ever comes to your AI, and, and I'm not sure that anything you can produce can, is going to change somebody's mind. I think a Git history would. I think a Git history would. I write Word documents. I dictate Word documents. <laughs> but I do one per chapter, and they're saved in the uh, cloud. So I do something similar to that, but not because I fear I'm going to be challenged. <laughs> Brett, really? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, man. All these systems are just insane. They're insane. Word files are now just text, too. Really? That's all I use them for. The only thing I do that's not... I, I get it set up to where it does do the automatic indents for each paragraph mm -hmm. and I have headings set up to where the chapter headings have a different format. That's it. That's, that's all I do. Mr. Tilsley, you should use Git. Love me a good Google doc. Google docs can be helpful. Google docs, because then everyone can get in and they can change things at the same time. I think, they, I think they have it set up so that the beta readers can't actually change something they can only leave comments so they can't you know like delete words of your of your own writing you have to decide whether or not you're going to change something yeah they can view and comment but not edit exactly yeah that's i'm actually doing that for um with pondy now as i'm making a shared google drive where i put the, the description of the project and then the files that i have and then the files that he wants to put back in there that I can look at or do anything. Cause that way it doesn't get lost in the email bullshit, you know, and we can write comments to one another on those documents and get them kind of, you know, figured out whatever. So I think that's the way, I think that's the way we're probably going to do it from now on. I hope. Matt says, Obwan, do you know the insult git came from a Gaelic word, something like geet, meaning the illegitimate son of a whore. <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> I like Google Docs, but it's hard to open 50,000 Word files. Yeah, that's why... You, well, actually, it's, that's not true. Google Docs, they do the entire novel at the same time. It seems to work just fine. Hmm. Maybe you just have a really slow internet connection for upload? Maybe. I've, I just never ran into a problem with that, but... I'm not hosting it either, so... I'm just mm. I'm just as much of a user as the betas on there because the editor is the one in charge. And I see how it works. I see how it is. Yeah, the only thing I have is I have authority to change the document. I can change the words. Obviously, if the beta if the author is going in to, to correct beta things, he's got to be able to change the words. Yeah, this is very true. This is very true. We have. We have so many tools these days that we didn't used to have access to 
And I think more and more of them are becoming kind of free and streamlined because they're kind of reaching critical mass. And you have, of course, the flagship stuff that's out there. And you have to wonder where some of these projects are going to end up. A lot of them are going to die. You're going to see a lot of different things, you know, pop up. You just kind of have to, if you're going to use one, just have to be kind of cognizant of the health of that project or the health of that company that is behind, you know, standing behind that software. I used, <laughs> I used a licensed version of Together J for nine years. Nine years, never upgraded it. And I had to constantly downgrade version of Java to use it. But I was not giving that up. You had to take it away with my, you know, my, cold dead fingers because I, I did all the um, Java architecture and desperately needed it, but then they didn't have access to it anymore. Well, I kept it around. It's just like if some of these, these apps that really work for you, you just basically keep using them until they're dead as long as the files will transfer. So I've been there. I've done that. I miss it. I really do miss it. You can open million word files with them without issue. Yeah, because you don't need to read to the end. That's the problem with the they're not progressive. Oh, that's a good question. What do you guys actually prioritize when deciding on what tools you want to use? It has to fill a need. If I'm going to upgrade from doing something, the old caveman style of writing in a Word document, then I need something that's going to give me value that I'm not going to get any other way. So before I use a tool for anything, it has to be something that I get more out of than I put into it. Scrivener is uh, has really become important to what I do and how I do it and the process. Now, I could move to another tool that is similar. Plotter is very similar from, in a lot of respects. I could move to another tool if I want to. But essentially, when it comes down to it, I'm really using Scrivener as an over-glorified text editor. And I can move to something else without too much of issue, but Scrivener fills those needs when I need it to. There's a difference between, between writing a short story, which I'll probably write in something like WaveMaker or Vi, and then basically transport it back into another document when I need to format and do all, all that other shit. But actual writing medium doesn't matter. Give me a dark mode and a cursor and I'm good to go. Um, and some shortcut keys and I'll be a happy man. So the, the tools for me are very easy to move before, you know, from one place to another. I've even written with idea. I mean, come on. You can write with anything. I've written an, I've written several novels on my phone. <laughs> you literally can write with anything. I was writing on my Crackberry. I was writing on my iPhone when my mom was in the hospital. So I understand that. What makes Scrivener good for me? The ability to move chapters around. Um, being able to graphically look at some uh, comparisons, finding things that I want to see across multiple documents. It's a lot easier for me to process that than it is to type in by commands to do the same thing and write regexes because um, I'm old. <laughs> I've written could... by. Yeah. My biggest problem with, with doing it that way is I like to, I will quite often move a chapter. I'll pick it up and move it somewhere else. And if there's a numbering system to keep them all straight, then I fucked up the numbering system. I have to go back and renumber everything. No, thank you. So that's not the way, that's not the way I do things. Scrivener makes it a lot easier to move and manage the file stuff. It's really more about file management than the actual editor or anything like that. Cause I can always kick the stuff out the vellum and import it and develop as a Word doc and then do the ebook formatting there. So I don't really even use Scrivener for ebook formatting unless it's for ARCs, in which case I don't really care all that much. But if it's going out to Amazon or wherever else, then I'll use Vellum for it. <laughs> yeah, but Regex, that's as close to black magic as you can get without chanting. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Using regular expressions inside your, your writing, they, oh, yeah. <laughs> If somebody typed in the wrong regex and summoned Satan, okay, I'm convinced of this. <laughs> I, I learned very few reg regular expressions I could use on a regular basis because I can't fit them all in my skull. And then you get lost in the pattern matching, which, which glob means this. If you have to carry around a goddamn 
foldable card catalog of all the shit you can do and what the common things are, the tool might be a little too powerful for what you're trying you to know, use it for. If you're needing to use grep and awk inside your novel, <laughs> don't forget you said may, you may be in some serious trouble. <laughs> grep awk and said, baby. <laughs> You've said all. <laughs> <laughs> Vi, with the aid of Grep, Auk had said. Ah, that sounds totally good. The Vellum for the win, yeah. Vellum's just so easy. Just easy. It just works. William says I had 99 problems and I used a regular expression. Now I have a thousand more. Sounds, sound, yeah, seems legit. Definitely sounds legit. I knew some people who could just do regex just off the top of their head. They're that they've been called drooling Unix geniuses before, but these were actually kind of hit people. Just brains that I'll never understand. I do not have their IQ. You know, if only that worked. If you could turn your book on and off again and solve your problem with the book. Well, Paul's already discovered that he can turn his characters off. Turning them back on again, that's problematic. Yeah. I haven't actually used Resurrection in uh, in any of my books. I wonder why. It's kind of hard to be resurrected when you've been reduced to atoms. Just saying. Could be wrong. We got a couple minutes left, folks. Oh, any other software that is handy for writers? It may not be, obviously so. Eon Timeline. Um, which will integrate with Scrivener, RPG books. Uh, I can't remember the name of the software I was using for modeling uh, house fires. I can't remember the name of it. You discovered a new program online that lets you get all the uh, effects of a nuclear detonation. Oh, yeah, that's right. I have to go look that up again. Yeah, because we were, we were talking about the kilotonnage. So, yeah, that's another one. What to put, I think you you put that one in the in in live last week. I think I did, yeah. So scroll up a bit in live, and you'll find that one. Yeah, that was helpful. Looking at what uh, seven eleven kiloton explosions looks like, I can tell you, folks, it ain't good. Nothing good will come of it. Nothing, absolutely nothing good will come. <laughs> For a flow diagram for making a game book. Um, I've tried to use flow diagrams for things, but I didn't have a decent program that could use them without just seem to take a lot of work to make it happen. Yeah, I think that's what he's saying. Huh. <sighs> if Together J still worked, I'd be using that. <laughs> Any rub tool, go find an old rub tool and it's perfect for doing tabletop. <laughs> Time to bring out word perfect. Oh dear God, no. Don't don't shit on my 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 childhood, please. Stop it. My college years anyway. I remember I got I got I got Word Perfect on OS2. I was so happy. I was such a happy man. I never had to log into Windows again. I hated Windows even back then. That was 1992. <sighs> Go figure. Well, if you have a question or comment about any of the drivel we talked about this time around, you can send an email to show at DevRobotSociety.com. You can find me on, pa on Patreon. You can find me on Mastodon at Paul underscore E underscore Cooley at V-Y-R-S-E dot social. You can find Facebook. Find us on Facebook at the Writers of the... Listeners, help me. Help me. The Dead Robots Society writing community. My God, it's so many fucking words. Yeah, welcome to that. <laughs> find us on Facebook at that. <laughs> you can find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash DRS podcast, where we are live every Saturday, 3 p.m. CST. 
here from our nice little hovels in the central standard time zone. And if you'd like to support the show, you can find us at patreon.com slash GRS podcast and buymeacoffee.com slash GRS podcast, where for as little as $1 a month, you get access to exclusive live shows like the one that's coming up in about 10 minutes and 20 seconds. And at the $10 level, you get your name read. And our $10 patrons are... Tony L. Joy, Rick Shaw, Lisa Slack, Isabel Cushy, and Tim Niederreiter. Thank you to all of our patrons for making this show possible. And I do have to apologize. I was just brought to my attention that y'all have not been getting episodes from Apple since September. That problem has been remedied. So you should have an absolute shit ton of podcast episodes. And if you don't, let me know. Well, so, you know, please. if they haven't been listening and pointing it out, then they won't hear you saying this because they won't, won't realize they could go back and get it now. I was talking to these live listeners, the live people. So just in case, you know, anyway, and with that, we cat. are going to get, huh? And there's a cat. <sighs> there's always a cat. She's always. So, furry. so fuzzy. The dead robot society writing community equals the this, DRS toilet. This is the dead writing society, dead robot society writing cat right here. <laughs> the undead robot society. Look, if I was trying to get up and record a show at the hours you folks are saying, it would be the undead robot society. It would be pretty bad. And with that, we are actually going to get out of here as Terry tries to clear the cat fur from his teeth. 